So how did we pivot? Step one, life audit. I absolutely love a good life audit. This is where you set aside some time, ideally in a quiet space, where you take stock of everything and everyone in your life, and you assess the areas that you're happy with and the areas you want to improve. I personally like to break up each area of my life audit as HWC, health, wealth, and community. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Envisionaire podcast with Nicole Ningyuan. This is a podcast where we explore everyday topics, share our experiences, and help turn life's challenges into life's opportunities. Let's get ready to envision living our best lives. Today's episode will be my first solo episode where I'll be speaking about why it's never too late to pivot into the life that you want. Over the years, I've been asked a lot about how I changed careers from working as a political staffer in Canada to working as a lawyer in London, how I changed from practicing as a corporate lawyer to a commercial litigator, and how I have now moved into the media world a completely new industry to anything I've ever worked in before, and also how I've taken on a new hat as a podcaster and entrepreneur. In this episode, I'm going to share with you how I did this and some of my motivations and offer you a framework to use if you are looking to do so, but feeling a bit stuck and unsure as to how to pivot into the next stage in your life. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and comment, and let me know if this was helpful so I know to do more of these sorts of episodes. So for all the Envisionaires listening out there, you know I always love to start with a guest's origin story. So here's mine. I was born and raised in the suburbs of Toronto, Canada. My parents who immigrated to Canada from Trinidad and Tobago worked really hard and sacrificed a lot to give my sister and I a better life than they had. Given their backgrounds, I was always told that education was the way out of poverty and would open up more opportunities for my future. This is probably one of the reasons why I'm such a big advocate for access to education for anyone looking to change their life for the better. Although my parents gave me a wonderful childhood, I faced severe bullying at the age of 13 when I changed schools in my final year of elementary school. I was already such a shy and timid kid, so I really couldn't assert myself with these bullies. And sadly, I internalized a lot of the horrible words and name calling, which really affected my self-esteem and my self-worth for most of my teenage and young adult life. But fortunately, I was able to work on some of these issues through therapy at a youngish age. And I started working on myself throughout my 20s, and that really helped me overcome a lot of it. A pivotal moment for me was in my adolescence in 2001 when 9-11 happened. This was when I started thinking about international conflicts and world politics. And my mom actually was instrumental in spurring on my political career because she took notice of my interest in politics and my love of languages and actually ended up strong arming my local MP to allow me to volunteer at his constituency office. This then opened up the opportunity for me to work as a student in his parliamentary office at 17 years old when I moved to Ottawa for university rather than staying in Toronto. Another Betty Ningyuan initiative. 
This then started my career working in politics, while at the same time completing my undergraduate degree in political science and my MA in international relations. It's funny how things worked out because I had always thought I would go on to do my PhD in politics, then go work at the United Nations and save the world, as I'm sure most poli-sci students do. But while I was working in politics and I was completing my MA, I kept facing obstacles that seemed to be preventing me from pursuing this path. Some of these obstacles included my professors telling me that my brain was too pragmatic and that I should be more abstract in my thinking, not meeting the right supervisors in my graduate studies that would take me under their wing to pursue my PhD, even applying to internships at the United Nations, but not getting any callbacks or follow-up for interviews. At the time, I saw these things as challenges or rejections, and it made me feel pretty bad. But in hindsight, I know these were actually signs from the universe that this may not be the right path for me at this point in my life. In any event, near the end of my political staffer career, I definitely felt I had reached a point where I had to make a decision. Stay working as a political staffer, which was going to be a comfortable life and job, or leave and carve out my own path and follow my own dreams. Obviously, the latter being very risky, as I wasn't sure what the outcome would be. So I decided to do a life audit and take stock of my life, something I've actually been doing for a really long time, and I find it to be a really helpful exercise to do on a regular basis, but we'll discuss that later. So after doing my life audit, I decided to pursue the latter option, which was leave and carve out my own path and follow my own dreams. After being waitlisted at McGill University's law school and eventually not getting a letter of entrance, I decided to persevere reapply the following year and cast the net wider this time and apply to several law schools in Canada. After speaking with a friend who had been studying law in the UK, he recommended I apply to Oxford or Cambridge, which is something I had never even considered. Following a chance phone call with the interim admissions director at Lucy Cavendish College at University of Cambridge, shout out to Dr. Isabel Madison, I still adore you. I ended up applying and getting accepted from Cambridge before all the other law schools that I applied to. So I took this as a sign from the universe that I was meant to leave Canada and go abroad to study law. I ended up moving to the UK without even having been to the UK before and started my law degree as a mature student at Cambridge. Returning to law school as a mature student and being very aware of the sacrifices that my family had made to help me reach the goal means I spent a lot of time studying in the library and being focused on my end goal, which was getting a job as a commercial lawyer in the city. Despite some bumps in the road, trying to adapt to a new education system and a new country, suffering my first adult heartbreak, and facing rejection from a prospective law firm, I made it. I started my training contract with a top 20 city law firm in London, and two years later I qualified as a corporate commercial lawyer something my 20-year-old self would not have even been able to imagine. Navigating life as a newly qualified lawyer is definitely a tough path, but it felt extra hard as I didn't have the mentoring and sponsorship that I had expected I would have. And honestly, I just felt like I fell through the cracks. I was starting work really early in the morning and working really late into the evening and sometimes until like 2 a.m. I was working weekends regularly, yet it never felt like it was good enough. My people-pleasing nature also meant that I gave and gave and gave in an attempt to gain affection. But it felt like the more I gave, 
the more I lost in terms of my own self-esteem and self-respect. It was honestly one of the most challenging and dark moments of my professional career. I was unhappy, unhealthy, and I felt like I was constantly swimming upstream. Everything felt wrong professionally. Even though I had finally made it, I just use air quotes on made it, I knew something had to change. So I decided to do another life audit and considered my options and my long-term and short-term goals. I knew I needed to pivot to get me closer to my life's goals. So I ended up retraining as a commercial litigator at the same law firm. I didn't realize that at the time, but this move was considered unorthodox and impossible by some because the nature of the practice areas is so different and requires different skills. But I guess I kind of just like going against the grain and doing things that have never been done before. And I actually don't mind being considered unorthodox. I knew it would be difficult and people would be suspicious of me and some were, but others told me how awesome it was that I had done this and they thought it was really brave that I'd pursued my dreams and what I wanted in life. I was also really appreciative that I'd be given the opportunity to retrain and practice as a commercial litigator, which is something I did for a couple of years, and it really helped enhance my legal skills and gave me some amazing opportunities to go work in-house on clients' secondments. This step actually also helped me pivot into my current career, now working in the media industry, where I work as an in-house lawyer at a global media company. And I have an amazing, supportive, and creative team of lawyers and business people I work with on a regular basis. It's also given me the opportunity to continue to have this podcast. So that's my origin story. And I hope that now gives you a bit more background to my own pivoting at different points in my life to pursue my goals and visions for my best self. I also hope that's helped you know that you can also pivot at any point in your life. And so for the rest of this episode, I'm going to offer you the framework I use whenever I'm pivoting in my life, all of which is going to be expanded further in my book, which I'm currently working on. It's very exciting. So watch this space for more. So how do we pivot? Step one, life audit. I absolutely love a good life audit. This is where you set aside some time, ideally in a quiet space, where you take stock of everything and everyone in your life, and you assess the areas that you're happy with and the areas you want to improve. I personally like to break up each area of my life audit as HWC, health, wealth, and community. Health, this is where I assess my mental, physical, and spiritual health and well-being. Wealth, this is where I assess my career, business, investments, finances, and budget in general. Community. This is where I look at the relationships in my life, family, friends, volunteering, philanthropy, and giving back in general. I tend to give myself a score of one to 10 for each of these categories, and then I can see my lowest scores, which show me the areas in my life that are lacking. I always find this to be a useful exercise as I often know that these areas are already lacking and making me feel very low or sad. But doing this exercise on paper for me brings it to my consciousness and enables me to really hone in on these areas and act with a lot more intention to try and fix them. Which brings me to the next step, goal setting. Step two, goal setting. Once I know the areas I need to work on, I then try to set intentions and goals accordingly. I always like to set quantitative and qualitative goals. So if my physical health has been suffering, I won't just say I need to get healthier or fitter. I'll actually write a list of how these can be measured by quantitative and qualitative measures. 
For example, if I had a physical health goal to improve my fitness, quantitative measures could include being able to run a 5K or maybe doing 50 push-ups nonstop. And qualitative measures would be feeling stronger and healthier or having more energy or sleeping more consistently without interruptions. I also like writing out my goals as they tend to come alive for me when I do. Step three, planning. This is where I get to write out how I'm going to reach my goals. And I often like to break this into three smaller steps. And the first step would be brainstorming the different ways to reach the goals. This can include thinking about what courses I need to take to learn more about this area, what resources I need to access, whether I know anyone who I could speak to about this industry. If not, where can I meet like-minded people who work or operate in this industry? The second smaller step is visualization. I think I've always had a very strong imagination, which is why I can often see myself doing various different things, which probably makes me a little nutty. But having read a lot of self-development books, I realized that this is actually a really important step in reaching goals because it can really help you to persevere during the difficult times. The third smaller step is writing down the plan. So my dad always used to have a saying, which is plan your work and work your plan. I love the saying so much. It's so helpful to write out your action plan and then start working on it. Sounds simple, but it's very effective and it's helped me to move forward with a lot of my goals. I also think having daily mini goals and monthly larger goals will help you to reach your ultimate goal. Step four, push past the fear. Once I've started to execute the plan by signing up for courses or webinars that will help me reach my goal, speaking with experienced people in the area I want to pivot into, or just putting myself out there, I have sometimes found that it doesn't go smoothly, either because of maybe rejection or facing my own imposter syndrome. So that's why I found it really helpful to surround myself with positive people, family, friends, communities that are constantly cheering me on wholeheartedly. I found this really helpful to overcome doubt and push through the fear. I've also found it really helpful to listen to positive content, such as this podcast, of course, or read inspiring books or stories of people who have done similar things to what I'm trying to do. I tend to find a lot of inspiration in their stories. And finally, as I'm a spiritual person, I tend to try to push past the doubt and trust God, the universe entirely. Step five, be consistent. I think the most important thing to do when pivoting into a new area of your life is to be consistent, regardless of any rejections and naysayers. I think it's so important to keep your eye on the prize. I always remind myself that things are happening for me and not to me, as Tony Robbins always says. If I'd given up after my first attempt to study law at McGill University, I wouldn't have had the amazing opportunity to study at Cambridge, which has opened up countless opportunities, friendships, and further networks, and even helped me find my husband. So be consistent no matter what rejections or negativity you face. And remember, sometimes a door closes or doesn't even open, but there's always another door that will open. So just keep knocking. Step six, remain open to all opportunities. Sometimes you're on your journey and you're in the process of pivoting into a new area of your life, but other opportunities might pop up along the way. I think it's always important to be open to these opportunities as they might be part of the bigger journey and they may even help expedite the original goal you are working towards. I wouldn't have even considered applying to Cambridge 
had I not been open to the idea my friend presented to me about applying to the UK for law schools. My dad always used to say that sometimes God uses people to speak to us. I think this was one of those ways. Step seven, remember the power of pivoting. Even when you successfully pivot into a new area of your life and you reach your goals, I encourage you to regularly do a life audit and remember the power of pivoting to continue to grow and pivot into the next best version of yourself. I love doing a life audit at least once a year, normally around my birthday, as I always think the next year is a great opportunity to set new goals and move in a new direction in my life, hopefully helping me to reach the best version of myself. So remember, it's never too late to pivot into the life that you want. I have to thank my parents for helping me lay down that mindset that I wholeheartedly ascribe to in my life. My mom was amazing at helping me believe that I could do anything as long as I put my mind to it. Hearing that all the time really helped to build my self-esteem and optimism that anything is possible. So thanks very much, mom. And my dad has really inspired that quote as he showed me that you can do anything you want to at any age. At 55, he joined the gym and became his healthiest version of himself, working out every day at 5.30 a.m., a practice he continued into his late 70s. At 65, following his retirement as a civil servant, he decided to become a certified ballroom instructor and undertook an intense ballroom course for two years to do so. At 70, he was traveling the world as a ballroom gentleman host on world cruises. And at 75, he was taking IT courses to stay on top of new technology and Spanish classes on the side just because. I'm very grateful to my mom and dad for helping show me that you can do anything at any age. And I'm also grateful to my own journey so far, which has also shown me that it's never too late to pivot into the life that you want. I hope this episode has been helpful to anyone feeling a bit stuck or looking to pivot into a new area of life. If so, please let me know by leaving a comment. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and connect with us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and threads by searching Nicole Ningyuan. If you want to discuss anything that I set out today, please send me a DM. Excitingly, this episode also wraps up season one of the Envisioner podcast. We are starting to record season two already, which is very exciting, and it's going to include a video podcast element, which you'll be able to find on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram once they're released. I thank all of our guests for being part of the podcast so far, and for you, the listeners and the Envisioners, thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Lots of love, Envisioners, and remember, every day provides us a new opportunity to start living and envisioning our best lives.